This is my instant reaction for The Lost City. For those that do not know, who may be tuning in, who've never heard binge movies before, uh, we do a lot of different stuff with movies uh, on this uh, podcast feed. And these are my instant reactions. These are, I go to the movie, I record my knee-jerk reaction, I sort of uh, formulate my thought process as I'm uh, uh, as I'm talking, as you can hear from my stumbling, my mumbling, and my uhs and ahs. I, I literally go to the movie theater, I watch the movie, I step out of the movie theater, I fire up the microphone, and I record just my gut reaction. And uh, people like it, so that's why I do it. So if, if you're looking for a deep, 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 deep dive analysis of The Lost City, uh, this is not the podcast for you. Uh, but if you're looking for just general impressions without spoilers up front, potential spoilers in the back end, and this is the podcast for you, I will give you a spoiler warning when we transition to spoilers. Now, if you want instant reactions like this, even more instantaneously, the best place to go is patreon.com slash binge movies. And if you go there, you'll see three tiers of membership or sponsorship, video club members, clerks, and assistant managers. And each one of those comes with, with the different series of benefits. They stack on top of each other. Everything from exclusive podcasts, sub-series that uh, you know are just for our patrons only, early access to new stuff, access to old stuff that's back in the stockroom and is not publicly available anymore, as well as future live streams. Some movies that uh, we're going to call Binge Movies Presents. That's what it's going to be. I'm going to present some movies, provide some history, hopefully have some guests on. We'll all get together of a certain tier or above, and we'll watch some movies together. So if you are interested in that kind of thing, the best place to go is patreon.com slash binge movies. You get a bunch of content. You get a bunch of stuff early, and you get to support a DIY podcast. It is the best of all possible worlds. For those that have heard the last few episodes of Binge Movies, especially these instant reactions, then what you've heard is this ongoing saga of me versus the general movie-going public. It, it culminated. We reached an apex here this evening uh, as I was at an advanced screening for The Lost City starring Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, Daniel Radcliffe, Brad Pitt, Patty Harrison, Oscar Nunez, uh, Divine Joy Randolph. Picture the scene. There's me. I'm sitting in a sea of mostly, mostly moms and grandmas, and they are laughing their butts off. I am sitting on to my left is about uh, two seats away is a row of, I'd say three or four grandmas, women in their late 60s, early 70s. They're laughing their ass off. Okay. Two seats to my right. More of a middle-aged kind of a mom, probably somewhere in her 50s to early 60s. Her husband, I think a couple of middle-aged couples. They're chuckling pretty heavily, but they're not laughing as much as these older ladies. But for the most part, the theater is very responsive to this movie as soon as it comes on. And in comes maybe 10, 15 minutes of the movie. Six young women. All of their cell phones lit up with TikTok and Snapchat. 
And I'm not saying that like metaphorically as like an old guy looking at young girls. I'm saying I could see their screens because it's a pitch black theater and they got big ass phones and I can see that they're on Snapchat and they're on TikTok and they sit in the first row. I can only imagine that they probably snuck in from a different movie. That's kind of what it had the feel of. I have no idea why, because I don't think this is rated R. And they were laughing their asses off. Not at the movie, out of this ongoing conversation, as teenage girls are one to do. If you've ever had a gaggle of teenage girls or been a teenage girl in a gaggle of other teenage girls, you know what I'm talking about. But this was over and above. This was so loud in a full, very large theater that it was you were struggling to hear the dialogue. This goes on for probably 10 minutes. About five minutes in, the guy behind me goes, will you take your bullshit somewhere else? And no response. They get even louder. About four rows ahead of me to the left, an older woman, shh, and they go, sorry, one of them does. And they got even louder. And they got quiet for a while, and they got louder, and they got quiet for a while, and they got louder. The assistant manager or manager of this theater eventually shows up. He walks up to him, and he goes, every single one of you out right now. And they're jabbering, they're arguing. He goes, no, 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 shut up. Get your stuff. Get out. You're out of here. Get out of the theater. You're banned. <laughs> and there was applause. There was an applause from the crowd. If you have been following these incident reactions, these are not the same people. I don't go to the same screenings, at least I don't think so, with the same group of, you know, however many people fit in one of these giant theaters. I, you know, but, but people answer the phone. People have full-blown conversations. People freaking blow their nose and the seats. People are hacking and sneezing and coughing without a mask. Just stay the fuck home. People are just absolutely disruptive in the movie theater. I rejoiced internally. And from that point on, it was smooth sailing. Come to find out, after the screening was over, the guy behind me that yelled, take that bullshit or your bullshit somewhere else, that guy called the theater <laughs> on his phone from behind me, never got up out of his seat. And what he said, he said, was, you got to come get these bitches, <laughs> which is, you know, misogynistic language, of course. But he was a... Um, Male of a certain persuasion. So I feel like we give him a pass, if you know what I mean. And because I talked to him afterwards. And he's like, you have to come get these bitches right now. <laughs> Never mess with a gay man at a Sandy Bullock flick. Or Channing Tatum flick. So that is my, uh, that's my adventure for the day. Let's get into the movie spoiler free uh, up front. Let's see. Um, let's start with some positives for a change. Yeah, we're going to mix it up. This thing has a budget of $74 million. And it, right now it's sitting at about a 67% in Metacritic, 89% Rotten Tomatoes as I record this. Uh, Metacritic obviously is a usually a little bit harder 
on movies. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, that's the uh, 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 critic score. I don't know what the audience score is. It might not be released yet. I imagine it's going to be f- around there, maybe even a little bit higher. I can see this getting a lot of love from a lot of people. This this movie does a couple of things. Just, oh, my God, it's such a relief. Right, straight off the bat. Number one, the vast majority of this movie is filmed in real-world locations. Cinephiles of the world rejoice. Praise God. Finally, a movie. Finally, a jungle movie that takes place in an actual fucking jungle. I I think it's been since, like, what, the rundown? I mean, what was the last jungle movie that you watched that actually took place in a motherfucking jungle? I mean, it feels like, uh, what what year did the last Indiana Jones come out? Uh, The one that I pretend doesn't exist, right? That was a CGI jungle. Everything has been CGI jungles. Even um, I know that uh, uh, the Jumanji reboot slash requel, I think it had some real sets and then some CGI. So that's probably another one. Jungle Cruise, on the other hand, was, I mean, it might as well just had rear screen projection the entire time. Uh, I mean, even some of the later, I mean, the Jurassic World series, I don't, I, you know, I know they've like shot some of it on different islands around Hawaii, but even then it's so augmented by CGI that just looks ridiculously phony. There is augmentation here. Okay. And some of it's convincing. Some of it's not convincing. Some of the green screen work here is not bad. Actually. Uh, I could kind of tell it was green screen, but the way it was blended, I was like, Oh, it looks pretty good. The special effect that stands out the most is Sandra Bullock's face. And I'm not saying that to be catty. I'm fairly certain she's been digitally de-aged Tom Cruise style in this movie. Also, uh, listen, my significant other refers to something as the burden of knowledge. Very wise on her part. And one of the, I don't know, treasure troves of knowledge that she has is for wigs and fillers, plastic surgery. And she can tell you, oh, that's Botox, that's a filler, that's this, that's that, this is that, that's a facelift, this is this, this is that. And for some of you, you're listening to that and like, ah, yeah, it's, I don't know, that's not that big of a deal. It's pretty obvious to me. And wigs are pretty obvious. I am somebody who has gone through most of their life, most of their movie obsessive life, Never once thinking about, is that a wig? Unless it's been like like fan four stick or samurai cop or something. For the most part, I didn't know what the fuck was a wig and what it wasn't a wig. If it was somebody who traditionally had short hair in the movie, they have long hair, like Brad Pitt in this movie, I would just assume extensions. Like my brain would just go, ah, uh, extensions. So at some point, the rest of that's just like a weave. And I would understand that and I would just leave it the fuck alone. My brain was able to suspend my disbelief. My significant other, it just is like, has this automatic reflex of being like, that's a wig, that's this, that's this, that's that. So now I have that burden of her knowledge, and I can't watch a single movie, past, present, and probably future, without seeing plastic surgery, without seeing digital de aging of faces and bodies, without seeing. Bad fucking wigs. And FYI, once you know what a wig really looks like, even the good ones look like shit. So thanks to her, 
the like a quarter of this movie, I'm like, why can't Sandra Bullock? What does her upper lip not move? What does she look like a fish? And again, I'm not saying that to, to be derogatory toward, towards an older woman in Hollywood. I'm saying that to be derogatory to my girlfriend who has watched so many botched episodes that her head is, she knows everything that can go wrong with a fucking facelift. And now she's put that knowledge in my head. And now I've, I've passed that disease on to you because you're going to watch this movie and you're going to remember these words and you're not going to be able to take your eyes off of the weird shots of Sandra Bullock's face with a D. I mean, it, it looks digital. They're in a real world, and if it's in a close-up, it looks there. You could just see a digital uh, a layer that's been put on to get rid of the wrinkles, to get rid of the fact that she's what in her fifties. It's a goddamn shame. Okay, let's get to the actual movie itself. I've purged myself of all these sort of things. That aside, other than her, like the uncanny valley of her weird upper lip. The movie really looks pretty good. They're in real jungle locations. When they're not, they're on sets. The sets appear to be mostly practical. The augmentation of CGI is done minimally up until about the third act. And when it does happen, it's it's done fairly well. And um, there are certain set pieces or certain things that don't look that well, that look that great. But in comparison to what we usually get, and I would say in comparison to like most Marvel movies, this shit looks pretty good. $74 million is on the screen. That's what I, that's how I'll put it. Uh, I think the movie is pretty well directed. I think these two, the really the, these three have great chemistry with one another. Um, I think the thing that's most successful about the movie is there's a lot of humor to it. If you're going into it and you're wanting like Miss Congeniality, Sandra Bullock, you're not getting her here. She's more or less the straight man. She has some funny lines and some physical comedy bits that she does, but she's playing kind of the role that she's been playing since Roundabout the Proposal, where she's kind of the bitch. She's kind of like uh, the sad one. She's kind of the straight person, and it's Brad Pitt and it is Channing Tatum who are uh, the funnier ones, the goofier ones, the sillier ones. If you're like, you're mentioning Brad Pitt a lot. He's in a lot of this movie almost immediately, which was kind of a surprise. Um, it's not really a spoiler because when the movie gets going pretty quick and he's just immediately in it. So there's no spoiler there. Um, and he does a lot. He does a lot in the film. Um, yeah. So a lot of like the sort of more goofball humor and, and, and even physical comedy and, and stuff goes to Channing Tatum, who's really good in this. I think the one weak link I would point to in the movie is Daniel Radcliffe. I think he's a little bit miscast. I understand what they're going for. It's not that he's doing a bad job. It's just it doesn't. Maybe as a villain, he's underwritten or he's not written well or whatever. They play him for a lot of laughs, too. And he's, it's just not that funny. And the whole time I'm like, OK, I like, kind of understand what he's doing. He kind of comes off kind of like a Marvel villain a little bit. And but yet he's supposed to be kind of a larger than life character and he's supposed to be funny. And it just a lot of his stuff didn't work. I, I thought a lot of the stuff they gave Divine Joey Randolph as Beth. I thought a lot of that didn't work. There's a couple of monologues they give her, which I'm like, oh, I see what they're reaching for. I know what they're trying to accomplish. And it's not on her. It's just the writing kind of fails. And the obvious comparison you would make is really twofold. One is Remains in the Stone or in the Indiana Jones series. I've already mentioned Indiana Jones. There are some homages to both, 
uh, some more obvious than others, but none of them are like so directly on the nose that it feels like, hey, wink, wink. We know that you know that this is kind of this other thing that already exists. This movie doesn't really have that type of humor in it. Thank God. By God, that's refreshing. If anything, it's a throwback akin to those movies as they were a throwback to the pulp novels and films that were pre- their predecessors. I'm, I'm fairly high on the movie. I think it more or less works. I think if there's a negative other than Daniel Radcliffe and the material that he's given and some of the Beth material, some of that subplot, I, th- uh, I think some of the... Um, with something like this, like some of the gags don't land. And with something like this, you know they're going to get in a kind of ramble comedy kind of territory where they're going to you know, just kind of leave the camera on and do a few takes. Uh, something I mentioned this a lot, but something that is now just takes me right the fuck out of a movie is a lot of ADR. I feel like more now than ever, we are so dependent on ADR or looping of lines whether it be for exposition or for punchlines or jokes, we're always having to like, there's always a character off screen where we can't see their face. And it's so obviously ADR where it's like, we've got to go to the mountain now because that's where the crystal fountain is for eternal life or whatever. And it's like, there's so much of that in all these movies. This, this is not the most egregious example of that, but you can definitely see that they kind of punch the movie up in post-production as far as like punchlines and jokes and alternate takes and, swapping stuff around again it's not it's not as bad as a lot of other movies but it is here so it has some of the hang-ups of kind of modern quote-unquote comedies um i would say for the if if you've been on a the the a run of uh what is it red notice jungle cruise fucking uncharted like those kind of adventure comedy films this is better than all of them. This is better than all of them, probably fucking combined. Um, just because there's so much, uh, just it's just a, like a good-natured kind of a movie. Um, more so than, I mean, a lot of people were laughing out loud, so you'll probably get some laughs out of it. I don't laugh that much at movies, um, barring a few exceptions, so I wasn't like laughing out loud. But I got, a, I got a, some major chuckles, and more than anything, I just got a lot of enjoyment out of the movie. I was just kind of smiling. Like I was, my brain was going, oh, that's, that's, it's humorous to me, not as much laugh out loud funny. Uh, if the movie has another detriment to it or another downside, it is the action set pieces really aren't that great. Um, they're not photographed necessarily well. They're not choreographed necessarily well. They're not bad. They don't stand out as being terrible. They more so stand out as being uh, not so memorable. And there's also a few pop songs that are, again, it's like punching up the gag. You have the visual gag. So what do we do? We add a silly, funny, corny 80s song underneath it or 90s song underneath it. And that's going to help get the laugh even bigger. And some of the song choices feel like, boy, that really would have been funny in like 2004 but it's just not funny now. Like they, they use the final countdown uh, quite a few times. And uh, I don't know, man. It's like, it's a corny song. Like it's, it's just, I don't know that there's any more like, it's like being Rick rolled. Like, is there anything, is there any juice left in the squeeze with that? I don't think so. 
it doesn't come off as like roll your eyes. Oh my gosh. Because the red, like it's, it's, it's supplementing solid stuff. If that makes any sense. Um, so it's, it's not like oh, groan inducing because the whole thing's just like dying a slow death. And then we're putting the, the very obvious needle drop on top of it. It's like the bit is more or less working. And then we, you just kind of went one step too far. So that's how I feel about some of the gags, but more, but more or less, I think most of it works. Um, I think a movie like this is, I don't know if it's like rush out and you got to see this right now. What I would say is if you like adventure movies, if you're looking for something that feels like a throwback to something they would have made the very least in the nineties, movie stars playing characters and an original property that is not self-aware and like winking at the camera and being like, it's pretty stupid, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like sort of this postmodern, whatever Ryan Reynolds bullshit that all these movies are doing and Marvel bullshit. That all these movies are doing. And if you want to see movie stars in a movie theater on a movie screen with a movie that more or less looks pretty good, that was shot in real fucking places and it has jokes and personality and charisma, then yeah, I would, I would recommend it. So go see it. If you're like, I need this to be this amazing, like, like on the level of say romancing the stone. No, it's not. Romancing the stone is like real savvy. It's a real clever movie. Um, it's, it's the first one. It has, uh, uh, yeah, it's just a very, it's a better script. It's better dialogue. This movie doesn't have great dialogue. It has good humor and good charisma, but the dialogue isn't anything special. The plot isn't anything special. The villain isn't anything special. But, you know, it's a nice matinee movie. I think it's the best way to put it. If you can go see this movie at a discount, like a matinee movie, on a rainy spring day, you know, it's like Saturday or it's Tuesday, it's kind of rainy, you're off work early and you want to pop in and see a nice movie that doesn't outstay its welcome. There's movie stars in it. Uh, you'll have a good time and you'll laugh a little bit and you'll have a little bit of an adventure and it'll feel like a little bit of a throwback without being too like intentionally aping a particular style, like just trying to be its own thing directed by people you've never heard of <laughs> written by people you never heard of starring movie stars. This is it. So uh, I think I think a lot of people are going to have a lot of fun with this. I think it's going to be a hit. Uh, I think a lot of people are really going to like it, and I can't fault them on that. You know, the last few times I've done this, I really haven't gone too far into spoilers for stuff, and I don't think I'm going to go into spoilers with this one either. It's pretty hard to fucking spoil, honestly. It's pretty hard to spoil. And um, where there are surprises and twists and turns and whatnot, it, maybe it's better to just sort of leave it as is. So those are my general thoughts about it. If I had to give it a score out of 10, it's a recommend for me based on the criteria I already said. If I had to give it a score out of 10, instant reaction, just off the top of my head, I would land somewhere probably around, mm, I think about it, yeah, probably about 78. I'd give it a 7.8 out of 10, which is a pretty strong recommend for me. Nothing groundbreaking, definitely entertaining, would recommend. If you've seen the movie or after you've seen the movie, you can always share your thoughts with me on Twitter at B 
binge movies. If you're on Letterboxd, give us a follow, letterboxd.com slash binge movies. If you're looking to subscribe, you're listening to this out of the blue, you can find us on all your favorite podcast apps, Apple and Spotify. If you're listening to us on either Apple or Spotify, leave us a five-star review on both, please. Uh, That really helps out the show. We've recently been, uh, once again, um, charting all over the world on both the Apple podcast charts and on a new uh, podcast app called Good Pods. And we are frequently in the top 200 or 100 of TV and film, film history, film reviews. And it's because of a grassroots network of people who have found the show, shared it on social media, shared it word of mouth, who support the show on Patreon, who listen to the podcast, who like the stuff that we're doing here. And uh, if you're one of those people, we need you. So leave us a five-star review. It really helps out. We are completely DIY podcast coming to you from the last video store in the universe in sunny, tropical Akron, Ohio. Um, so whew, that's a mouthful. Well, it's like Channing Tatum. He's kind of a mouthful, I bet. He's great in this, by the way. He is great. I think he and Brad Pitt are kind of the standouts. And man, is that guy cut. First of all, Brad Pitt is just sexy as fuck. If we don't get a Thor variant at some point, you know, my God, especially just, but Channing Tatum, full beef. I'll leave it at that. Those are my thoughts on, uh, what was I, the fuck was I talking about? Um, I lost my place. The Lost City. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, those are my thoughts of The Lost City. Tell me what you thought. And until next time, binge on. Oh,